On this edition of Magic Pod Squad, we catch up with Orlando Magic Equipment Manager Jacob Diamonds. We think you'll find it very insightful, the day-to-day responsibilities, the day-to-day life of an NBA equipment manager, and how much goes into making sure the gear is ready, the practice gear, the jerseys for game day, the shoes, everything that an NBA player needs to make them comfortable before they play an NBA game, and how important the relationships are for an equipment manager, getting to know the players, in some cases, better than anyone, and making it comfortable, making their adjustments comfortable uh, as they take on the rigors of an NBA season. So, Jake provides some terrific insight on that. Also, how he broke into professional sports. A very interesting story that got him started with the uh, Marlins down in South Florida. So we'll have some insight on that. And ultimately, the decision to go to the NBA and to take a job with the Orlando Magic as the equipment manager. So a lot to unpack with Jacob Diamond here on this edition of Magic Pod Squad. This is Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. This is Evan Fournier. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. Check out what's new with the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. The host of characters give you a behind-the-scenes look at Magic basketball. The Magic Pod Squad has you covered. Subscribe and rate on iTunes and the Google Play Store today. I'm really looking forward to this edition of Magic Pod Squad. Dante Marcatelli here, Jeff Turner, David Steele, and we're joined by Magic Equipment Manager, Jacob Diamond. And, and Jake, I think it's important to address the elephant in the room here yeah, right out of the gates, you know, I right? Was, I was thinking uh, when you guys asked me to be on, uh, there was probably a reason behind it. Uh, so I brought you guys some gear. Oh, <laughs> uh, perfect. Well, you, you are the gatekeeper of the gear, yeah, Jake. Well, I figured it would. Look at that. A couple of shirts. Here, so. Enjoy Very those. nice. Okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> We're good. I can go now. Would you have brought anything if George was here and a part of this? Uh, no, absolutely not. Perfect. Perfect. Eat your heart out there, George. Oh, George is Sorry, dying right now. George. Sorry, George. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, I think this is fun. We, we get an opportunity this year to obviously catch up with players, but uh, but obviously a lot of our travel party and some of the guys that make this thing work. And, and this is a, an opportunity for us to catch up with you. And I think, first of all, Jake, just kind of let everybody know what your role is as equipment manager, what you're responsible for. So as an equipment manager, my role is to uh, handle all the ordering, the inventory, the outfitting of all Basically everything you see on the court, uniforms, uh, you know, everything from t-shirts to socks to tights to shoes, everything you see the players wearing on their feet is, is something I'm ordering for them. Um, so my job is to, uh, you know, make sure the guys have what they need at home and on the road. Uh, when we get on the road, you know, I'm overseeing the movement of all the bags and equipment and um, making sure the locker room is set up and uh, make sure they have everything they need. Do you work with uh, the players or do, do agents get involved? I mean, who tell it? Because player, the, the shoes and the equipment, you know, this that's a big deal for the players yes, and, right. and fans. Yeah, so um, occasionally I'll speak with an agent if, if, uh, if necessary. But normally, um, you know, I know what everybody's uh, contracted shoe company is. And so um, during the summer, especially in August, when guys start coming back in, uh, I get with each guy, speak with them and, uh, see what they're looking, looking forward to wearing this season. Every, every shoe company's coming out with new shoes each year. So it's a good opportunity to get them into something and let them break it in, see if they like it. Uh, some guys, you know, might just want to wear what they wore the year before. Um, but each guy, it, it varies. So I got so here's the deal. As a former player, hold on, I'm gonna try on my new polo. These are nice. Those are nice. <laughs> so as really a nice. former player, maybe one of the most I I wanna say the most yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, the most important person in the locker room 
is the equipment guy, right? You've, you've said seen, that, yes. When said. players walk in, te- like you, you can't imagine, like we got excited about what Jake brings us, right? Gear, <laughs> two guys, it's Christmas, right? Like when yep. you get near, new gear in, new uniforms, whatever, guys walk in the locker room, there's an excitement in there. So what you're saying is it's like Christmas and Jake is like Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. Yeah, like, I mean, but it doesn't matter what age a player is, a veteran player, a young player, you just get excited. You bring gifts. Yep, yep. And uh, there's no question. It's it's like Christmas time every year when the guys get their suitcases. Um, on media day is the big day when everybody gets their suitcases loaded up with all of their travel sweats and all the new gear for the season. And, and Nike does a good job, uh, which, you know, every year they, they put out everything uh, as far as, you know, practice wear to travel wear. Um, at, yeah, and every year everybody's got a new uniform, a city uniform. Right. So um, they keep changing things year to year. It creates more work for us as equipment managers. Mm-hmm. So we constantly have to push out the new stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, players and staff, they're always happy to see the equipment guy. Give so us, how how oh, does it work real quick, Dante? How does it work now? So when I played, if you had, you know, if you were a Nike guy shoe-wise, you typically wore Nike warm-ups and things like that. Now everybody seems to be, it's team-issued sweats, things like that. How does that work now? Right. So everything you see on the court as far as practice wear, you know, T-shirts and shorts to um, pregame warm-up attire, that's all Nike. So no matter if a guy is contracted with Adidas or uh, Reebok or whatever the brand is, um, you know, the the guy's got to be wearing Nike on the court. Everything from the uniforms um, to uh, to the, the warm-ups, you know, even, you know, if they want to put on an arm sleeve or a headband, it's got to be Nike. And, of course, um, Nike in the NBA has a lot of rules as far as um, – code as to what guys can and can't wear um so we got to be transparent with our players about that i would think two things that have changed guys some guys change shoes how often right so you got to account for that and now you know the headbands the sleeves the pads that's all evolved you got to bring so much gear man yeah basically when we go on the road it's got to be an uh, you know a traveling equipment room um you see it when we go city to city Mm -hmm. you know i've got my 30 bags you know, everything that I have at home is, is what I take on the road. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as shoes go, there's it, it depends on the guy. Some guy might change his shoes out, you know, every few games. And some guys might roll with the same pair of shoes for, you know, a few weeks. Um, so, you know, it's a case-by-case basis. Can you imagine what happened with Sid Powell, the guy that you, you know, you're now, you've, you've taken, since Sid's been moved up into the executive suites. Yeah, he's front office He's making now. big time yeah. decisions. Yeah, he's making yeah, big bucks right. and big decisions. So you're doing a lot of this stuff. But back when the Jordan jersey disappeared and the Bulls didn't have a backup jersey. Can, can you imagine that? That would never happen today, right? <laughs> that would never happen. Um, nowadays, you know, everybody's got their blood bag, as, as we call it. So I've got this bag with me on the road. And if you open it up, uh, there's about you know 15 pouches in there, and each pouch has a backup jersey for each player and in each edition. So you've got your your for us it's white, black, blue, and and our city uniform this year that orange jersey. So uh, always have a backup with you, um, depending on the guy. Some guys uh, around the league might change jerseys you know every half. Um, so. 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We don't have anybody like that, but, um, you know, there are those situations where you got to carry more than just one backup, and, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Last year in the uh, in the playoffs against uh, Toronto, when Michael Carter-Williams uh, got That's his, right. yeah, had that bloody nose, um, you know, I'm sitting there on the floor right next to the bench, and as soon as I see that blood, man, I... I just hopped up, sprinted to the locker room, grabbed his backup uniform, and uh, got him ready to go. He went back out there. He sure did. Yeah. That's impressive. Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, when you think about kind of how, how far everything has changed, you've kind of also gone on your own and taken some things under your, you know, kind of made some own decisions. We talked to Terrence Ross on this show, and he mentioned the the sandals, like the slide. He called oh, yeah. them slides yeah. or whatever. Yep. I thought that was awesome. You had your own personal touch. Just kind of tell that story. And if you can, tell us what. Yeah, you scored a lot of points with. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that'd be something You did. Cool and, to why, do. and how you chose everybody's design. So I can't say I came up with that, my, that idea myself. Um, there are some teams who have done something like that before. However, um, the shower shoes that the guys wear on the road and at home, um, you know, this brand i slides they do a, a pretty cool a pretty cool thing where um you can customize a full set and uh so you don't have to put the same thing on every pair of shower shoes so um i thought it'd be cool to kind of put a personal touch and knowing these guys and not just how they are you know on the court and what i see on a day-to-day -day basis but um kind of knowing their background where they came from yeah. what their interests are uh, I thought it'd be kind of cool to uh, customize each individual pair, and and um, you know, uh, my wife actually had Rachel had a great idea for uh, Nikola Vucevic, um, knowing that he's a big Friends fan. Uh, she said, "How about you do the Friends logo, but um, customize it as you know Orlando in the Friends font?" So we did like you know we did that. That's and put, cool. Put That's the cool. Uh, put the flag of Montenegro on the sides and. Of course, Terrence has uh, has the Human Torch and uh, put his kids' names on the side. He's he's uh, you know he loves his kids. So. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. That's neat. So you 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 get to know the players quite well. You spend a lot of time with the players. Uh, how important is it to have favorable relationships with the players and the coaching staff? Well, I think first and foremost, um, you know, you got to build trust with them. Uh, they got to be uh, they got to be trusting of you and, and know that you're accountable. Um, basically, you know, nowadays, guys, they don't carry anything by themselves. And, and it's on me to make sure everywhere we go, they have what they need um, and that they can count on me uh, to come through if something happens and I need to, you know, do something in a pinch and and make it happen for them. Uh, you know, that's my job, uh, to be creative and to, uh, to let them know that I'm, I'm here for them. A little different than when you were schlepping your <laughs> stuff around <laughs> Waiting back in the early 90s, belt and So what he's laughing is like, you know, before, <laughs> I think, I mean, this goes way back, and we've talked about this, but the trainer, basically, before Sid, you know, was going full time, you know, our trainer took care of our, you know, gear. Just threw it out in the stalls and then your practice gear you just took it with you and you washed it in the sink or if he did get some of that it was sitting you know you carried your own uniforms and those were on jake the curb. likes this idea you yeah. know, they, were, they were on the curb right like yep. so it really wasn't somebody like jake looking out after us in the early days now when sid came along things changed a little bit but 
for those that don't know, Jay, your background a little bit. Like, you know, you just didn't just show up with the magic and you're the equipment guy. Tell, tell us, give us your backstory, how you got okay. into this business. So my uh, career in professional sports, I like to say it goes back to when I was 13. So uh, I grew up in South Florida. I'm from Fort Lauderdale. And uh, growing up, I was a big baseball fan. So the year after the Marlins won the World Series in 03, so in 2004, I had season tickets uh, with my dad. We used to sit down the first baseline, and um, in between innings, I used to watch the ball boys sitting down the right field line warming up Miguel Cabrera. And uh, I, you know, I was 13. I had my glove with me, so I uh, I used to collect. You know, I collected a dozen baseballs that year, and I told my dad, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to be a ball boy. So the next year, I go to a spring training game on my birthday. And um, after the game, I am heading toward, we're heading towards the, the car leaving. And I happen to see Jeffrey Loria, who was the owner for the Marlins at the time. I see him walking, heading to his car. And so I caught his attention. I said, hey, Mr. Loria, how do I become a bat boy? And uh, he looked over his shoulder and he said, contact John Silverman. <clears throat> and John Silverman ended up becoming my boss you know, he was the equipment manager with the Marlins. Um, so it was kind of a right place, right time type of thing. So um, I go home and, and I'm all excited. I've got the contact who I need to email. So I, I, I email the team, tell them the story, and they say, well, you gotta be 16 to work here. So, and that was on my 14th birthday. Two years later, uh, two years later, I emailed the team again. Hey, this is me, this is what happened. And, uh, you know, I still want to be a bat boy for the Marlins. And it was just good timing. They needed somebody. So um, I started out as a bat boy for the Marlins in the 2007 season. And I spent 11 seasons with them. So How about that? So how long were you a bat boy? When did you move over uh, into so, the equipment? Yeah, so, uh, so I was a bat boy for probably the first four years. And then um, the equipment. So you were a 21-year-old bat boy? Um, maybe it was three years, something like that, <laughs> which is common. Yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. crazy. Yeah. But so I had to work my way up. You were um, almost a bat man. I was a, I was a bat man. I started growing a little yeah, bit of facial was, hair. That's right. That's right. So, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of spring trainings, sleeping on sleeping on the couch and, you know, cleaning shoes and spent 11 years with the Marlins. It was it was uh, it was great, man. Like the guys I worked with, um, you know, my boss, uh, we called him Silver. I mean, he used to crush us like if if excuse me, if if. Uh, if we didn't, you know, if we weren't doing the right thing or we, we messed up and, and it was even something small, he would, I mean, he would just annihilate us. But That's the equipment manager. That was the equipment manager. But, you know, it ended up making me a better worker. I was surrounded by some really good other clubhouse attendants who, who became my brothers. And um, so, you know, 11 years there. And then eventually uh, towards the end of that, um, in uh, 2013, I reached out to the Miami Heat to see if they needed any help on their equipment staff. So um, another case of good timing, LeBron had just left Miami, so it was a good time to get in. And um, you know, I, I ended up joining the, the Miami Heat as a team attendant and their equipment manager, Rob, he, he kind of took me under his wing and um, he knew that you know I had a passion for equipment and this is something that I wanted to do. 
So um, he would bring me in for training camp and for some practices here and there. And, you know, he put me in the visiting locker room, which, you know, for a first year team attendant, um, that usually wasn't the case. Uh, but that gave me an opportunity to meet people around the league. Sure. Uh, that's how I got to know Sid. So working in the visiting locker room, um, I kind of had, you know, an idea of how teams operated on the road. Saw a lot of the, you know, similarities and a lot of the differences from baseball to basketball, but it gave me an opportunity to meet equipment managers and talk to them. And, and that was when I realized that there were young equipment managers in the NBA and that there was an opportunity there. And um, so spent a few years doing that as my off season job in between baseball season, baseball's off season, I should say. And uh, eventually just started interviewing around the NBA and uh, what had happened, how I landed in Orlando was I interviewed for the head job in Milwaukee and um, I'll never forget it because it was one of those opportunities where I, I didn't think I did so great in the interview, um, but uh, the guy who was interviewing me was Scott, is Scott Foss, their head athletic trainer, and uh, he called me about a week after the interview and said, listen, we're moving in another direction. However, I think I might have another opportunity for you. Our GM, our former GM, John Hammond, just took over in Orlando, and uh, they may be looking for an equipment manager. So immediately called John, and, uh, and the rest was history. So did you come interview with John or Sid, or how did you, how, so, how did you end up getting hired here? Yeah, so, uh, so after speaking with John, they brought me up to Orlando, and I interviewed with Jeff and John and, and Sid, and we spent a day together, and uh, you know, Sid knew who I was. We had a bond from whenever Orlando came to town because, you know, I was the baseball guy and Sid loves baseball. Right. So um, spent an afternoon with them and uh, and it just clicked. And um, so they ended up hiring me. I spent the first year as Sid's assistant. The 27-18 season, I was Sid's assistant with the um, plan to move me into the head equipment manager role at the end of the season and, and move Sid into his director of team operations role. So going back, that's a great story. It going is. back to when you were with the Marlins. So the, you got into sports via the bat boy route with the Marlins. So the equipment thing, did you have any idea back then uh, what, what an equipment manager job might even look like? Or no. were, you just, were you just enamored with the idea of being uh, you know, on, on a baseball field as the bat boy? So I know it may be hard to tell by looking at this daunting frame, but... <laughs> For those who can't see, Jake is 6'6", six, six and about 2'30". Two, about two I, I, uh, I know you may be surprised, but I wasn't much of an athlete. Um, so, you know, I wanted to be around baseball. Um, actually, you know, I wanted, to be, I wanted to be a sports agent. I saw Jerry Maguire at a young age. I thought he was the man. Awesome movie. Great, great movie. Yeah. And, um, can and Renee Zellweger act? I, I get in trouble for this all the time. I think she can. I love Renee Zellweger. I think sure. she killed it. She killed oh, it. Yeah, she, she was awesome. awesome. Great. Yeah. Go ahead. Jeff's not convinced. Thank you for settling just, that. Thank you for settling that. Question, Thank you for settling okay. that bet. Thank right, you for settling well, that bet. Yes. Because Lana listens to these, and yes. she cannot stand Renee Zellweger. Oh, and I thought she was awesome that in that movie. I thought she was great, too. No problem. So, yeah, I wanted to be a sports agent at first. And then I realized after, you know, spending a few years with the Marlins that I just loved being in the clubhouse. I loved being around the guys. I loved being around my coworkers. It was a family atmosphere to me. I spent more time with these guys than I did with my own family at home. And um, when you know I spent more time with them, I realized that there's a career as an equipment manager and it's a pretty cool one. 
And uh, I really thought maybe one day, you know, that path would lead me to doing this in Major League Baseball. And luckily, I was able to land myself a job with the Heat. And um, I, you know, I saw that, you know, there were young equipment managers, and I thought that, you know, baseballs and, I mean, excuse me, basketball uh, would be a great opportunity to branch out and do something different. And, and uh, you know, it's tough in baseball, man, because these equipment managers, they're around for forever. You know, they're dinosaurs. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was, there was a, you know, a handful of guys that I worked with, and they were all vying for the same job. So in order to, you know, advance myself, I needed to really branch out, try something new. What would you tell a young person that might be listening to this? Um, your story is fascinating because, you know, just through persistence and maybe some fortunate, some good luck. Definitely. You were in the right place at the right time. But what, what do you tell? Because you probably get this from young people, uh, college kids or high school yeah. kids that would like to get into pro sports and don't know how to do it. I mean, first and foremost, you, you just got to get your foot in the, foot in the door somewhere, um, no matter where it is. And you kind of got to go in with the mindset that, you know, no job too big or too small and um you know these things take time i was lucky to get in and at an early age i was 16. not many people have that opportunity um but you know like you said persistence and and definitely some good luck good place you know good right place right time um you know just going going with the right attitude that good things happen to good people in good time you know uh just put your head down and work and and people will notice that and you got to sell yourself, and clearly you've done that. For we know what an NBA locker room is, Jeff, better than anybody, having lived it. And what is a what is a baseball locker room like? What is, what is that? People are drawn I mean, to I, that. I'd, I'd like difference. to know the difference. Yeah, yeah. How, the difference. Does it, and how does it? How does it? Yeah. What's the difference? Yeah, people ask that question a lot. I mean, a baseball clubhouse is obviously a much larger roster, mm-hmm. uh, more coaches, um, you know, more equipment guys, and. You know, in baseball, you have your seven o'clock games, but guys start coming in around noon and one o'clock, and you spend the whole day there. Um, you know, well, there's a game every day, basically, yeah, which is different. 162 games. I didn't travel with the Marlins, but um, but it was a full time job. You know, spring training is six weeks, seven days a week. Um, you're around these guys 24 seven, and baseball. Um, you know, the atmosphere is different, but the clubhouse environment for an equipment manager is, is much different in the sense that, you know, in baseball, and I think this helped me when I, when, when I got into basketball was with baseball, I mean, you're, you're constantly doing stuff for the players and they're coming at you with all sorts of requests, you know, hey, can you go pick up my wife from the airport? Hey, do you mind watching my dogs while oh, we're on oh, this that kind of, Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know. Um, but I'm sure that's pretty lucrative with the tips and yeah, things like and, that. But, but that's and <laughs> that's so. that's the uh, that's the whole thing with baseball is is you know you are pretty much um, compensated with tips and and you you got to work for them and and it's you know you don't hustle it but but you build those relationships and these guys trust sure. you. So if the team went out of town for ten days, sometimes I would be sleeping at one of the guys' houses, looking after his. 200 pound bull mastiffs <laughs> and walking the dogs and you know no names no, no names, names. <laughs> other duties as assigned mm-hmm. but you do you but you build that family and that, yeah that, that yeah bond. exactly um 
And at the end of the day, it comes down to trust and uh, personal relationships. Oh, the I can't per- even imagine, like, so say a 7 o'clock game, a night game, you arrive at noon. Right. So what? what's, like, there's a lot of socialization, I guess, that goes on in the locker room. There's cards. That, like, oh, yeah. Guys are just, they'll go out, take BP, come back. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's it, a little bit different than a game day different. NBA locker room. The uh, the players, they come in. They, I mean, over the course of an entire game day, they they have uh, three meals. You know, they <laughs> <laughs> baseball players eat a lot. Yeah. That's one thing I noticed about basketball. These guys aren't eating as much as baseball players. And you could see by their uh, the comparison of their bodies. <laughs> well, those baseball <laughs> players are burning a lot of calories standing out right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just ask Bartolo, Bartolo Colon, man. That's 20, right. Yeah. 20 years in the bigs. Four uh, times a day, you sprint to first. Yeah, you know. So, uh, so, you know, you're hanging around these guys all day. They come in, they eat, they play cards. You know, you're doing twice the amount of laundry in baseball that you're doing in basketball. Um, and you're spending, you know, a solid two hours after the game. So on an average day, I'd get in at one o'clock and I wouldn't leave till at least 1 a.m. You know, um, but that's a um, long day. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a baseball culture. And, and going into it, you know, you got to know what what it takes to stick around. And and uh, I mean, that's why, you know, guys love it. And, you know, I've seen a lot of baseball lifers that have been in the equipment world for you know their entire professional careers it's a great job when people get those jobs they they stick with them yeah right yeah I mean, that's, that's uh you know and that's what's tough about you know ascending and becoming an equipment manager and i'm you know very gracious towards the magic organization for giving me the opportunity at a, at a young age because you know these equipment managers not just in baseball but in basketball they they stick around for a long time and um you know it takes a lot of time to um to gain that trust and to build um you know build that resume and uh and you know if you're lucky enough to get one of these 30 jobs then then good for you you know you know i think about this sorry jj but i think about the bond you just have laid out perfectly the bond and we see it we feel like we know these guys and we don't see them nearly as much as you do but you root for them and I think about, you, obviously you have your favorites and you have a guy like John Carlos Stanton who just transcends the sport. But Jose Hernandez, who, who Fernandez. was, I'm sorry, Jose Fernandez, no who was such a favorite down there in Miami and, and the tragedy, unfortunately, that, that took his life. You were there for that. Just, just, I can't even imagine what that does to a locker room, to a community. I mean, everything that, that you kind of had to go through after that. Yeah, that was, um, that was one of the most impactful mm-hmm. moments I've, ever been around um i will never forget it because you know i'm not gonna say that i had like the best relationship with jose i was you know we were just you know professional with each other and and um you know but he used to hang out in the laundry room during the games like you know during downtime when myself and the other clubhouse guys would be hanging out he would come in he'd sit and chat with us and he was a great guy and um you know i'll never forget that next morning driving into work and getting the text messages from the guys can't believe what happened Mm. and you know just getting to the clubhouse and it was like a kind of a moment frozen in time you know everybody's just sitting down you know in their lockers with their heads down and um yeah you know being a part of his funeral procession outside of marlins park um i'll never forget that and 
you know, uh, say what you want about the guy, but uh, baseball lost a great athlete, and um, and he brought a lot of light and excitement to the game and to that clubhouse. Um, so, you know. It's tough. Yeah. You know, Jake, you, you mentioned you're, that you're married, and um, it can be a challenge to be traveling as much mm-hmm. as you travel. And all three of us, you know, we, we've been married all for a long time and uh, you know Jeff's wife was an athlete and my wife has been interested in you know whether it no matter what team or uh, the Gators the Magic over the last 40 years or whatever it is <laughs> Lana is also Absolutely. you know someone who's invested in in you know in, in what we do I'm assuming that you know to make this work uh, you're in a similar type situation yeah uh, you know ask any of these other guys that we're all around you know it's it's a lifestyle and um it's not for everybody uh but when i met rachel um you know my life was pretty much during baseball season she'd never see me i'd be at the ballpark uh i didn't travel with the team so she got me during the uh the road trips but you know i told her this was this is my goal this is what i want to do and if i'm lucky enough maybe i'll get to do it but be ready because it's not going to be in Miami. It's going to be somewhere else. So, you know, if this thing works out, just be ready. And, and she's always been really supportive of me. And that's what it takes is to have somebody who supports you and understands that you're passionate about something. And, and um, you know, you figure everything else out. Is she yeah. a fan of the, of the she game? Is. Of she is. Yeah. I kind of gathered yeah. that from your yeah. so story like about almost, the, the. Like you said, I mean, you kind it of helps. Said, it does help. You yeah. Know, oh, yeah. But, um, Absolutely. There's an understanding there. Yeah. Um, I've been able to convert her a couple times. So <laughs> when I first met her, she was a Mets fan. And then, uh, you know, she met me, and all of a sudden she's a Marlins fan. Yes. And then she never, she probably never watched a basketball game in her life. And now she's at every single game, and at home she's watching every single game, and she's texting me, asking me what what happened to that guy, and <laughs> is he okay? And <laughs> so um, it definitely helps, uh, you know. And and basketball, especially our our organization, does a great job involving the families, involving the wives. Um, so you know, on game nights, they can all come in and see each other and make friends with the other wives and. When we're on the road, sometimes they have events for them, which is good. It certainly is. How, how, so when we do a promo for this, we're going to show you carrying the wet basketball <laughs> from the Magic game. Remember that fan spills it out. What did you do to the basketball? Anything? Did it air dry? Do you have a procedure to clean that thing up? Uh, yeah, I didn't do anything to it. I mean, you came it, right to the rescue. Yeah, well, I was I was uh, sitting there on the court and... And I saw that ball fly into the stands, and, and uh, I didn't know what was on it, so I went over there, and yeah, that was looked like a glass of wine, an entire <laughs> glass of wine on top of that basketball. I didn't do anything to it. I Honestly, I chalked it up as a loss, took it to the equipment room, put it on a, uh, put it on a rack, and just let it sit there overnight. I, there was no chance I was going to scrub that thing out, <laughs> but uh, sure enough, coming the next day, and it's brand new, so... Shout out to uh, Spalding, <laughs> whatever, whatever kind of material. We're not sure it's leather the balls are yeah, actually right. made out of. Yeah. It's some it's alien synthetic. material. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that basketball went right back out there the next game. That's incredible, and they used it. Well, I think last thing, Jake, and we'll, we'll end with it. You could probably speak to this too, JT. You're around the guys more than anybody, right? How important is it to be frank? with the guys like they get a lot of guys we all come from different areas and some guys have yes men and people that agree with them at all at all times and 
it's got to be a delicate balance where you know you're around these guys and i think sometimes they solicit real advice and you have to be honest with them and uh i enjoy giving it to them you know <laughs> no i'm kidding Good, uh, no, no, you, know, you, know, you know it's professional athletes they've obviously have you know a lot of voices that sure. are you know speaking to them and and a lot of these voices aren't telling them what they should hear and and it's not my job to give them the truth but if I don't give them the truth, who will? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it never really has anything to do with the game at all. I, I keep my nose out of that. Sure, but, sure. Um, but, you know, if they ask me my opinion, I'll give it to them. And, you know, if I see something or, you know, and, and the whole thing with, with these guys, is especially because, you know, I'm, I tell them from the get-go, I'm, I'm here for you. Um, but, you know, respect's a, a two-way street and, and just... Uh, you know, let's understand each other, and and you know, if there's something that one of these guys are doing, and and I'm not, you know, too happy about it, I'll let them know because, you know, I I, I got to do my job. Sure. Um, you know, whatever the case may be, I, I I'm here for them, but I I still have to do my job. I think it's great. You know, it's, you know what's interesting? I'm just thinking about this. Jake was inspired by Jerry Maguire and wanted to be a sports agent and now has ended up in sports in another way. And I know it's gonna date me a little bit, David, but when I was 14 or whatever Jake was, I wanted to be Perry Mason. Yeah. So the same kind of the same yeah. thing. And people, they'll probably have to Google that, some of our listeners. Yeah. And now I've ended up, and I just sit next to you and talk every night. You're, so a, you're a lawyer, you, you to try and keep me out of trouble every uh, night. There you go, so. <laughs> That's how it wound up. That is it. Well, one of you got to pursue your dreams. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Jake. This has been a long time coming. We've wanted to catch up with you. Thanks for sharing your story. And um, this gear is fantastic. So we appreciate that as well. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Great and job, one, Jake. Thank you. One more thing I want to add is, you know, with the game expanding the way it is today and and this job getting you know more demanding. Um, it's not a one-man job, and I've got a great guy back in Orlando, Cody, who is uh, he does a great job for the team, and um, you know I'm really happy to have him on our staff. Does Sid help you still, or does he let Sid, you fend for yourself? Sid, I think he misses uh, the equipment world a little bit. Sometimes he wants to help, and I, I don't know. I'm just. I'm too OCD that I'm. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. I got it. I got it, Sid. That's Thank you, though. Uh, well, you do a great job. Sid's one of the best to ever do it, obviously, and uh, we appreciate it, Jake. Good luck the rest of the way. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Jake.